Hey, welcome to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. I've got Pastor Ross and Pastor Sam here with me, and we're going to actually cover content from two sermons. It's our most ambitious podcast yet. Yes, and I'm excited about this. Uh, If you are not aware of what we do here, we are intending to cover topics that we couldn't cover on Sunday. Um, So we... Don't just do this to nerd out as as uh, seminary grads, whatever. But we're we're really excited that you would hear this content and that you grow in your knowledge of Jesus. You grow in the likeness of Christ. So we we do this, and in our prayer, we were just praying together that God would edify you through this time. And if if this is helpful to you, we'd encourage you to share this with with others in our church and. Um, and even even people that are not a part of our church. So, oh, we've never done that before. What encourage I mean, yeah, people? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like all podcasts are like, hey, if this helps you, make sure you click a like and subscribe. <laughs> but <laughs> no, really, I mean, we put a lot of work in this, yeah. and so we think it's. I mean, if we thought it was trash, we wouldn't put it out. Yeah, <laughs> so, Man, I want people to hear it. Yeah, I, really I do, do. Yeah, with with all humility, we we want this to spread. If it's good, it's good. If so, it's not good, then don't share it. And that's tell right. Us. That's right. <laughs> so two sermons. They actually align very well uh, from from the Gospel of Luke because they they really point us and call us to watch and wait for the second coming of the Lord. So Ross preached a couple weeks back from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35, uh, titled Christmas and the Curse Breaker. He's going to touch on uh, the idea of the firstborn, Jesus being the firstborn from verse 23. I'm excited to hear about that and also on... How longing for Jesus doesn't, uh, it doesn't compete. Longing for his return, it shouldn't, it doesn't ultimately compete with our desire for for good things in this life. So I'm looking forward to that. And then Sam's going to cover some content from his sermon from Luke chapter 2, 36 to 38. And it was titled Longing Like Anna. And he's going to get into some of the nuts and bolts of fasting. And I'm really looking forward to that as we're coming up on a fast together in the new year. So Ross, let's hear, what did you say on Sunday? My sermon um, from, from Luke 2.22 focused on Jesus as the one who defeated the curse in the past and will make all things new in the future. Mm. So there's a sense of, there's this intense longing for Jesus to come. Simeon is the one who's longing for him. Right. And we don't just look back on his longing and appreciate it. We enter into his longing with him. Right, because Jesus is coming back again, and His second coming will be every bit as significant as His first coming. Every every bit as necessary for our joy and God's plans for His creation. Amen. So we should be just as eager as He is. We should um, be ready to die if only that moment could happen. Hmm. If only Jesus could be here with us. Just whatever else happens, it's all right. It's just as long as I have Him. Yeah. My sermon started off with speaking through the purification rites in the beginning of the sermon and just showing what's not immediately obvious that those purification rites show that the creation is under a curse. Mm -hmm. It doesn't show that Mary screwed up in having a baby. Her pain in childbirth shows that everything is broken. Right. Next step in the sermon was to show that her son that she brought into the world was uniquely the only son who has never been touched by the curse, sure. not fallen. Amen. He, he's the hope for overcoming the curse because he's not enslaved by it. That's right. And when Simeon holds this uncursed child in his arms, 
he's holding the hope of the world in his arms, the hope, his own hope, and everyone's hope, my hope, your hope. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how amazing that moment must have been for him to see that with spiritual eyes, that this baby has everything that we need to destroy this curse that ruins so many lives each day. Mm. And this text doesn't totally get into how Jesus smites the curse, but it hints towards it. There's a sense of there is suffering coming. And the great irony that we'll see greater in, later in Luke is that Jesus overcomes sin and death and suffering by receiving the effects of sin and death and suffering himself. He absorbs it for us. That's right. So there's this beautiful, beautiful picture of an uncursed Messiah who is coming to take the entirety of the curse for his people. And it's, it's amazing. So that, was, that, was, that was the sermon. That was, that's what it was about. It was so good. I, I do want to say this. You weren't there, Daniel. I got to read it. You did? Okay. Ahead of time. It, it, yeah. it really was one of the best Christmas sermons I've heard. Mm-hmm. It was really good and really helpful. And if you missed it, which a lot of you did. <laughs> <laughs> Poor attendance that Sunday, I hear. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. like worse. We've had a long time. Yeah. yeah, so you didn't help, Daniel. Um, <laughs> you and Kate would have added two more. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it, it, it's really worth listening to. Thank you, brother. That's great. So, Ross, you you made mention uh, of this this passage. Uh, well, there's all these things about purification rites and the law of Moses, and then there's this one section that says that every male who opens first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That's that's kind of confusing stuff. Did you were you able to get there in its entirety, or did you want to unpack that some more? Sure. So. In the beginning of this passage, there's the purification rites for birth, right. and there's the Son being presented to the Lord as holy. Mm-hmm. Those are actually two different Old Testament requirements that had to happen. So these things get a little confusing. It's a di- little difficult to peel them apart and find out exactly what's going on. Luke is, doesn't really reference the Old Testament a whole lot in his book directly, mm-hmm. but indirectly it's shaping everything he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants his narrative to be understood as organically growing out of the old covenant as Mm -hmm. fulfilling it, as completing it, as expanding beyond it. Mm -hmm. So much of Luke talks about a new Exodus. So much of Luke is about the idea that this God redeeming his people from slavery is happening again. One word is recapitulating and it's happening at a much greater level. So you you can't appreciate Luke unless you, understand the old testament narrative he's drawing from yeah it can be easy to skip over these these things and just be like oh this is old this is old stuff it doesn't really matter but this this really does matter that's right yeah. exactly and and it helps shine the light on confusing things it's so easy to read verses like this and just shrug and keep going because mm-hmm. it just sounds weird but i believe that there's good things for us in these verses so i it's a reference to exodus 13 if you remember in exodus 12 God brings his people out of slavery in Egypt. And then this is what verses 11 through 16 say in Exodus 13. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among you, your sons, you shall redeem. And when in time your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. 
For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontless between your eyes, for by the strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Wow. That's why Mary is presenting Jesus as the firstborn son at the temple. Hmm. Because every time a firstborn son is born, God retells this story of redemption from Egypt, where he killed the firstborn sons of Egypt to bring his firstborn son, his people, out of slavery to them. And he is reminding them of this is how you exist as a nation. I destroyed the firstborn son of Egypt in order to bring you forth so that you could belong to me. Could you say then we're the secondborns or the third? Us? Yeah. Well, I think the irony of Jesus being presented in memory of this event Mm -hmm. is that he's the one it's looking forward to. Right. He is the firstborn son who dies for God's people. He's the sacrificial lamb. Yes. The, that, you know, that made it possible for the, the angel that was coming through and, and killing the firstborn to pass over right. the families where the blood had been. Exactly. Shed, right? Exactly. Yeah. We are the firstborn sons of Egypt. Mm. That's who we're born as. We're not, we're not born as God's people. We're born as Egyptians with sinful hearts and we deserve to die. But, but he takes our place yeah. as, as sons of Egypt so that we can become his place as firstborn sons of God. Wow. So, so there's a great exchange that's happening in him, in him. And so, yeah, it's just so, so many layers there as Mary is presenting baby Jesus as, one of, as a firstborn son presentation. Mm-hmm. He's actually the firstborn son that all the Exodus, all of these laws are looking forward to. He, yeah. he is the fulfillment of them. Yeah. What do you say to someone who hears that and says, firstborn, huh, born, God's born, God's the firstborn, where people will press in and say, yeah, he may be a God, but he was a created, he was the firstborn, he was the first created being, mm-hmm. and now like co-reigning with God at some level. Um, because passages that say firstborn can make people wonder that, right? Sure. And I'm glad that there's passages like that because they emphasize the full humanity of Christ. But there's other passages in the Bible that undeniably mark his divinity. We're reading through the Gospel of John. Jesus just called himself the resurrection and the life in our reading yesterday. Yep. A few days ago, you said before Abraham was, I am. Yep. So th- this idea that you can read the Bible and argue that Jesus is not divine is simply comes from a perspective of not reading the Bible clearly because it's so clear. But if he's really going to be our substitute, he has to be fully human in addition to being fully God. Mm-hmm. He can't represent us if he's not a full, full human being. He can't bear our sins if he's not a full human being. So the idea that he's a firstborn is good news for us. Mm-hmm lest we don't have a substitute for sin. Mm. Someone who's not a man cannot bear the sins of men. Mm -hmm. Someone who's not fully human cannot bear the sins of human beings. For him to be, there's a reason that bulls and goats cannot 
atone for our sins mm-hmm. because they're not us. That's right. They can't represent us. They can't substitute for us. Yep. Jesus can because he's actually a person. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to hear more about this in Daniel's sermon next week about how Jesus was fully human and even grew and matured yeah. and, and learned things. How did yeah. the son of God learn things? Well, good luck with that one. I'm excited, man. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm fired up about it. There you go. Good. Love it. Well, you can help me understand that because it's a hard, hard, hard <laughs> tough subject. That's yeah. right. That's right. Great. What a complex topic. I mean, we could seriously, you, you should write a book on that. Yeah. I, and I actually wonder if there's any good resources uh, for someone to dig a little deeper there, because there really is so much. Um, not only is is Jesus the firstborn uh, here, actually like the firstborn of of Mary uh, and adopted by Joseph, but he's also called the firstborn of all creation. There's all kinds of Im- imagery uh, of Jesus being this firstborn, right? And, and so there's there's some challenges like Sam brought up, but a lot of depth, and that's that's. That's the living scripture that we're we're dealing with here. That's that's why we spend time in these podcasts, like digging a little deeper, because there's so much. There's so much, and we can't cover it all in a sermon. Otherwise, we keep you for two, three, four hours, and maybe some of you would be falling asleep and falling out the window like the little boy. That's right. And <laughs> uh, we see in Acts, but and the firstborn uh, imagery is also really strong in the name, ancient Near East. This is your your prized heir of mm-hmm. all that you own. This is yeah. the one whom you hope in as the future for your family line. This is your greatest treasure. The heir, the, they'll get the inheritance. Yeah. yeah. There's so so much. to call Jesus God's firstborn is to say that he's God's greatest treasure. And that's mm. what God sacrificed for us. Wow. That's great. That's amazing. So there's, and you're right, there's so much more to be said about this concept of firstborn. Yeah. But it goes deep. Yeah. Deeper than we can go right now. That's great. Uh, how about this, this tension, you know, longing for Jesus, longing for his return, and yet, some of us are really, I mean, Sam even mentioned this in the sermon this week. We're, we want to get married. <laughs> we want to have children. We, we want to be able to give more of our lives to Jesus, whatever it is. So there's this, like you kind of live in that tension. What, mm-hmm. you, you, what, what could you say to, to that? What, what would you say to people that are feeling that, that tension? Sure, yeah. I mentioned in my sermon, like, I don't long for Jesus as much as I long for other things like a wife, like, playoffs mm-hmm. like chick-fil-a you know i, I really <laughs> mm-hmm. i really spend more hours in the day r- ruminating on those things and actually thinking about jesus is coming back i'm never going to suffer again with him he's going to make all things new yeah the bible talks about that belief shaping the way we live and it's true it's true when you when you meditate on that it really sets you free from the things that are enslaving you right now because mm-hmm. they just seem less important and he seems more important and Eternity you get with him seems way more important than the sliver of time you have right now. So you start to live for the eternity instead of the sliver, where oftentimes we're caught living for the sliver because that's all we're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I did was I said, I kind of juxtaposed those things. We're saying it's either living in expectation for the Lord or longing for things he's made. Mm -hmm. Yes. There is a sense where you have to prioritize communion with Christ above those things. Yeah. But no, it's not only an either or thing. Yeah. Steve Clem brought this up to me and I really appreciate him saying it. And I would totally affirm that our longings for good things here on earth are longings for Jesus. Like mm-hmm. we, we, he put eternity in our soul and we know that eternity with Christ will be an embodied experience of eating and rejoicing and 
frolicking and doing a whole bunch of fun stuff with him. Yeah, that's good. And, and oftentimes when we fixate on something here in creation and just make that our desire, our idol, whatever, it's actually not a longing for something other than Christ. It's a misplaced desire for Christ that we're not properly identifying. It's for him. Yeah. God, God wired us to desire things because he wants us to desire being with Jesus forever. Right. There's this quote from C.S. Lewis's essay, The The Weight of Glory, that has been so encouraging to me for years now. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambitions while infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Yeah. So, yeah, our, it, it is good that God made us to desire the things that he has made. Mm-hmm. But why would we settle for enjoying it for a few years without Christ mm-hmm. instead of enjoying it forever with Christ like we were meant to? Yeah. And really just be insistent on wanting the most joy possible for yourself. Yeah. That's, that's not something that we usually talk about wanting the most joy for yourself possible. Mm. It sounds selfish, yeah. but it's actually what God made us to seek is the most joy for us possible. Yeah. And the way to seek the most joy for yourself possible is to live in light of eternity and not suppress or deny your desires as if they're bad, but recalibrate and think about these desires will be fulfilled forever with Christ. And it's actually, I'm longing to be with him mm-hmm. and enjoy these things forever. Yeah. Don't, don't, turn off your desire. Don't shame your desire, but redirect it towards a place and a person where it will last forever. Yeah. Is, is what I would say to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, heaven and the eternity that we'll have with Christ is, it's certainly something we, we don't think enough about. I mean, my, my brother read, uh, book heaven by randy alcorn he just he said it was perhaps the most influential book mm-hmm. outside of scripture for him because it it just he said it changes all the way that i work the way that i think the way that i talk everything i do is changed when i when i realize that the eternity of glory that's coming for me that, that god has in, intended for us and randy alcorn paints a beautiful picture of the the beauty of all that God has made, like you said a moment ago, our new heavens and new earth are going to be full of joyful sensory experiences mm, yep. for eternity without pain, without sin, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, having that in, in, in perspective where the curse breaker has come to remove all curse from the earth and we get to experience life to the fullest. That, that is what our longing is. So there's, yes. that's, that's, that's a beautiful what you're saying and i and i uh i'd point to two other resources i don't know if you already had this in mind but desiring god calls us really well john piper uh calls us to desire god above all mm-hmm. and 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 yet uh joe rigney offered a really helpful kind of um supplement, supplement. Yeah, yeah compliment yeah, yeah. supplement great words called the things of earth that just make sure that we live in, in the tension of those yeah. two things, in the balance, making sure that we really enjoy all the things of the earth that point us, that are pointing us to Scripture. And yet, 
our, our greatest joy is to, to desire God and to know him and to be face to face with him. So yeah. those two things should be on your bookshelf, those two books, if, if you haven't read them yet. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. I, I would just say more tangibly, more, sorry, more practically, how do you do what you just said? Yeah. You know? So how do you let the longing for playoffs or for Chick-fil-A lead to longing for the ultimate end, Jesus? Sure. How do you do that? Well, you've got to learn to pause. You can't just live without intention. You can't mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. just move through your day without reflection and meditation. Mm-hmm. And remind yourself of what's real. Mm-hmm. That's so much of what prayer and reading the Bible is. And be aware of the desires in your heart. Like you have to know yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to know God and you have to know yourself. That's a lot of the Christian life, isn't it? Knowing God and knowing yourself. Yeah. And just, and, and really preach yourself and pray to God about the fact that Lord I thank you that I'm desiring this I pray that I would desire it and desire it in a way that I want to be with you and enjoy it with you mm-hmm. I, want, I want this to lead to you I don't want this to stop before I get to you I, as I enjoy it now I want it to, to overflow in praise to you for giving it to me and I'm there's a sense that I'm not contentious enjoying it right now I want to enjoy it with you forever face to face I think I think we get into trouble when our enjoyment of things stops with the thing and doesn't go beyond the thing to the person who made the thing. Yep. So as long as you're training your heart to go beyond the thing to the maker of the thing yeah. and longing to enjoy that thing with, with the creator of that thing one day when we mm-hmm. finally get to, that that's the ideally where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a lot to think through and you can't always have that whole paradigm in your mind. Yeah. Well, it's just not practical. Mm-hmm. But... But do you have some times in your day where you're just pausing and, and, and reflecting and spending time with the Lord? And, and is that part of your reflection, like knowing yourself, knowing God, knowing what his word says about desires and joy and the things he's created? Yeah. Yeah. And while we're not doing like the purification rites and, and all the, these things of the law that are pointing us to heavenly realities, we are given still some things to... Uh, remember these realities, like mm-hmm. Sabbath, like Sabbath rest. That's like we're, we're giving these pictures where, you know, we're, we're called to rest on a weekly basis. Um, you know, and it, it, we could get into the depths of like how that works. The you know, are we fulfilling the law, whatever? Um, but we're called to rest, remembering that there's coming a future rest. That's right. We're called to rest, knowing that. Uh, God's work has already been done. Mm-hmm. So we're living in, in that reality now. Yeah. Uh, and, and the full reality is coming soon. Um, you know, Joe Rigney's book uh, helped help me and I think helped us this, mm-hmm. this season as we looked, uh, we looked a little carefully at what the meaning of Christmas is when we reflected on Advent. These, you know, we lit candles and we did little, little pictures that help us to, to think a little more carefully about what all was happening um, these little things, little pictures of intentionality help us think about those future realities That's more right. practically. The Lord's Supper, you know, all these mm-hmm. different things reminding us we're going to feast yeah. in, the, in the new heavens and new earth. That's right. And this is what he's, he's, uh, he's paved the way for. That's right. And That's it, there's just that verse in First Timothy 4 that says nothing is what is unclean or yeah. nothing is received with thanksgiving as right? long as it's received with thanksgiving and yeah. prayer yeah. and so thanksgiving and prayer 
is pivoting or moving beyond the gift itself yeah. to the focus being on the one who gave the gift. The giver. Yes, the that's giver right. of the gift. Yeah. So that, that's, that's really the key to, to enjoying good gifts is thanksgiving and prayer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, one, one thing I'd add, just families, I'm just thinking about, we eat so many meals, <laughs> you know, we're, three times a day we, we need to eat. Uh, at least some of us like me, I snack all the time, <laughs> but you have an opportunity every single time you sit down to eat, to look at the, the food before you. God has said that, that, uh, you know, he, he's compared, Jesus has compared himself to, to bread. He's the mm-hmm. bread of life. He's sure. the living water. These things that we need, mm-hmm. we have in these things, God has given us these little tangible pictures of of what, of what we need and what we're actually experiencing when we eat food it's supposed to remind us and we can help our kids we can help our spouse we can help our friends or roommates and say how sweet is it that we get to to taste this good thing That's and right. it's, to, it's to remind us of the goodness and uh the satisfaction we're supposed to receive in jesus amen so we, we have pictures everywhere that God has given us. It's just a matter of, like you said, pausing, being a little bit more intentional. We have opportunities to, to share that with one another. That's right. So much more we could take from, from this, this sermon and this passage. But thank you, Ross, for uh, what you shared. Why don't we jump into Sam's uh, for the sake of time. And he's going to talk about uh, more of the nuts and bolts in fasting. What, what, well, first, but what did you say um, yeah. on, on yeah. This, this past Sunday? I'll try to be really short on this so that there's more time on the nuts and bolts. But basically, fasting is a gift that God has given us to help cultivate our hearts, to to feel for the things that matter most, to to be desperate when we don't feel desperate. Um, It's a gift to help us shake up before we're shooken up by something in the world Mm -hmm. and something that happens. It's, it's something that I'm now doing more and more that I used to do more in the past, but I'm, I think my paradigm has shifted of that. When I realize that I'm, I don't long for Jesus instead of just sitting in that. Yeah. I don't long for Jesus fasting to get myself to get in a state of longing. Mm -hmm. So when people are lovesick away from their loved one, desperate for them they often don't eat they just naturally go in a fasting state Mm. and that's what should be a reality for us regularly because our bridegroom has been taken Mm -hmm. we're separated from jesus Mm -hmm. in one sense we have union with christ in a spiritual sense obviously but he's not reigning on this earth there's still brokenness we're still under the curse in many ways um right the the penalty of sin has been taken from us but yet the presence and the power of sin is still um at effect at some level the power is is taken greatly but there's still influence of the of mm-hmm. sin in our life yeah. um, that we can choose to or, or resist by god's spirit and and so we long for our bridegroom to return and, but if you don't long for him but you want to long for him you could fast because fasting helps cultivate desperation mm. cultivate yes. longing when you don't feel like longing yeah and I even use this illustration of how my I heard the sermon and all my friends were wrecked by it regarding the horrors of hell. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. And what I could do is then realize, okay, something's sick and off about my heart. So I'm going to fast until my heart is in a state where I feel rightly about hell as I ought to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Anna was someone who was desperate for the return for the Messiah to come. And because of that, she fasted and prayed. And this is a great example for us. If you look at Luke chapter 5, that... 
um, when Jesus is taken away, and he has been, we can now fast for his return. And and if we're not there, fasting is a gift to get you there. Here's a quote from Piper. I, I know you got a quote from John Piper, too. The reason why I'm quoting from Piper so much is because he has he's written an excellent book called Hunger for God. Yes. It is it go. is maybe my favorite book by John Piper. It's the most readable of mm-hmm. his books from, from my perspective. Um, Least academic, most. Yeah. Just down to earth. Just so mm-hmm. good for the soul. Mm-hmm. And I recommend it to all of you. Fasting poses the question. This is what he says. Fasting poses the question, how, uh, sorry, do we miss him? Mm. How hungry are we for him to come? Now check this, Zinger right here. The almost universal absence of regular fasting for the Lord's return is a witness to our satisfaction with the presence of the world and the absence of the Lord. Wow. (sighs) We are far too comfortable with him being away mm-hmm. and it's like the the wife whose husband is from afar and everyone is asking how are you doing how are you doing she's like i'm doing great doing great mm-hmm. i'm really having a good time wait but your husband's gone she, and she's like oh yeah 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 i miss him terribly it's terrible i can't believe he's <laughs> like that's what we're like we're, we like default know that we should miss him and we want him to return but it's kind of like we don't really want him to return we, we'd rather you know live our lives and make the most of our life it's not part of our experience day to day yeah yeah and we'll have a little blimps here and there for most for, for earnest christians but for the most part we're not lovesick for him mm-hmm. you know if someone say what's the greatest thing that could happen to you probably few of us would say jesus come right now I think if we thought long enough and we knew the question was kind of like expecting that and loaded, you'd like say the right answer. I think for a lot of us, the gut reaction wouldn't be that. Yeah. And I praise God this morning, Eden, uncharacteristically, I was like, bye, Eden. She said, bye, Dad. I hope you have a great, the best day ever. And I said, well, if it was the best day ever, Jesus would come today. Hmm. And I was like, thank you, Lord, because that showed a growth in my heart because I don't know if I would have said that last week. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have thought of that. Sure. Yeah. And so, I, so, so fasting is something we... At get to do. It's not for the super spiritual. It's for those who don't feel spiritual enough. Yeah, man. And it's and I think that's been a real helpful shift that the Lord showed me during my prep for this sermon. And I just want to share it with you because I think for fasting, it, it is like the the most spiritual discipline. It's like the it's the the hardcore um, Navy SEAL Christian habit. Monks do it. Monks do it, right? <laughs> and for the rest of us who feel imperfect and broken and don't have our act together, it's like, well, that's not for me. Hmm. Well, because you're that way, that's why it's for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so that's that's kind of the heart behind it. There's more there, but it's more about weakness rather than strength. And um, I think you have a quote, too, to kind of come, go in line with this, right? Yep. Here's a quote that racked me when I read the same book you were talking about. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. Wow. Yeah. It's, our hearts often don't have room for Christ because we've filled them with other things. That's right. And fasting removes something that provides us with so much comfort. Yeah. Something we depend on so regularly something that literally releases chemicals of pleasure in our brain whenever we do it. Yeah. Three, maybe more times a day. Mm-hmm. And gives us energy, gives us all sorts of 
blessings in life. So you, you take that away from yourself. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, something that your soul is probably starting to cling to, you, it's not able to anymore. That's right. Now there's, there's, there's an opportunity for your soul to cling to Christ in a way you weren't when you were eating regularly. So, so one way to free your soul from not having enough room for Christ is to remove something from your soul that is taking space that Christ could occupy. And, and what, what better than food? Maybe that's why, I don't know. Would you have any comments on why food? Yeah. Well, I mean, connected to what you just said, it, it's a good gift. You just taught that it's a good, these are good gifts. So we're not saying it's bad, but we're saying there's something even better or something that all this is pointing to. Right. And so when you strip yourself of all of this, it creates a desperation. Your body literally eventually enters into starvation mode. Mm-hmm. And so you have nothing else but Jesus to lean on. You're like, mm-hmm. I got to have him. He has to come through. And it, it forces a des- sense of desperation. Mm-hmm. You can, there's only so long you can fast and be self-sufficient. Eventually, in the weakness of your flesh, you just become desperate. Mm-hmm. And then you say, God, I'm desperate for you. Like, like my body feels desperate for food. Mm-hmm. In fact, I want this food. I want you more than I want food. That's why I'm fasting. Um, and it's just an interesting paradox. The more you get of Christ, the more hungry you are for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a weird paradox. Yeah. The hungriest Christians are those who eat the most mm-hmm. spiritual food. And those who starve themselves are the least, the most satisfied and full in the world. Mm-hmm. And they have no room. And so it's kind of like well, one thing I preached on fasting last year too, not as much as as, as a focus this year, but you hunger for what you feed yourself. Mm-hmm. So fasting is a way to have a hyper um, season or a day or a week or month where you're just stuffing yourself and recalibrating your spiritual taste buds mm-hmm. to want what is most valuable that you may theoretically know is more valuable, but you're like, man, but I really watch the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. which I like the Mandalorian. Is it good? It's great. Okay. I like it. I think it's good. I think it's good. I like all things Star Wars, but, but yet, but Christ is better. And I rejoice in God through the Mandalorian. I praise God. I thank him, but yet it's not Christ himself. It's not, it's, it's just a shadow. Yeah. And our bodies literally work that way. If we consume more alcohol, we will want more alcohol. Yeah. If we consume more sugary foods, we'll want more sugary foods. And if you consume more of Christ, guess what you're going to want more of? That's right. So shame on us yeah. for not stuffing ourselves full of Christ more than we do. That's right. Shame on me, first of all, yeah. before on anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So we're now we're doing something that I would suspect that most members have not been called to before as by church. Perhaps fasting was something that some people did and talked about, but it was kind of hush-hush. Maybe periodically there was something mentioned. But probably for most of our members, they have not been part of um, a situation where the pastors call the whole church to a fast. And that's what we're I doing. We're, we're call- yeah, you ever have? Um, have you, Daniel? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, typically, churches that are more charismatic have done this. Um, and, but I don't want charismatics, which we are charismatic, and in, in the fact that we have the Spirit, and we Spirit is active and moving through us and, and multitude of gifts. But um, I don't want charismatics or hyper-charismatics to have the angle on this. Fasting mm-hmm. is a gift for the whole church. That's right. It's a gift for all who are desperate. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, yeah. and... When you fast, yeah, that's that's right. It's assumed. It's yeah. that yeah. There's, there's no there's no wiggle room there. That's right. And and but so so what we want to say is that fasting is expected, 
for those who really believe that Jesus is away and they want him to return. And I think a way to help the whole church is to do it together, to do it together once a year where we just really focus on and kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. You know, obviously you can digress from January and all this stuff, but what we're doing is we're basically setting apart a month. We're saying, Jesus, we're giving you the first fruits of this year and we want to set the pace, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, uh, so, so what needs to be said is that you don't have to fast, mm-hmm. but you get to fast. It's mm-hmm. a gift. Right. Yeah. And, and we invite you to, I, I would say, I know that's going to sound backhanded, but you're going to miss out if you don't, you will. There is a glory and a gift in fasting. Um, I'm going to miss out too. I'm going to miss out on food, <laughs> but but ultimately food is temporary, right? That's and right. bodily training has some value. Like one of the, to be honest, there's a number of objections I had as I thought about this fast coming up, and before we shared it with everyone, one of them was the fact that I I'm I'm not a big guy. I'm a, I'm skinny, and the little muscle that I have in in the I past, have a similar issue. You do too, Ross. Very much so. <laughs> uh, and in the past, whenever I did extended fast, all the muscle that it would take six months to build would be gone in days. And I don't like that. I don't like being skinnier than I already am. And yet the Lord brought that passage, bodily trainings of some value. Sam, what is one month or seven days of the entire year? Mm-hmm. That's nothing if, mm-hmm. if it means more eternal gain. And so at the end of that passage, section, Matthew five eighteen says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't you want reward from the father? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we want to invite you, but, but at the same time, we understand that there's going to be certain people who can't, who legitimately should not. And there's going to be a blog that we released today that's going to go into more of more than nuts and bolts. And we're going to highlight some of them here. Um, people who shouldn't fast, there's certain dietary situations, certain situations like nursing or pregnant that you must not fast. Mm-hmm. Kids are never shown as fasting in mm-hmm. the Bible. Maybe they did, but but we would recommend other forms of abstinence, um, abstaining from different gifts, good gifts uh, besides food, yeah. um, or maybe you know sweets they could fast from. Um, so I want to clarify that. Um, this is an invitation, not a command as your pastors, but we, we would say as your shepherds who overlook your soul for the good of your soul and are trying to lead you towards Jesus as we follow him, we think Jesus is calling us as a church to do this, and this would be good for you. Yes. It would be good for our church. And I really believe that we're going to see some breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough, um, revival, uh, renewal in our hearts, and in God willing, in many of the lives around that, that we touch. There, there is a reward from you, according to Jesus, yeah. if you do this. All right. Even if you don't see it immediately, and that's going to be something that may be a reality. You're like, man, I just did this fast, and I don't see anything immediately um, you know, uh, beneficial. That's right. Uh, but there is a promise. Now, let me go over a couple of things. One is a bad motive for fasting. One, one of the biggest ones is pride. Hmm. Um, when I was at the, a church previously that it, there was a culture of fasting every January— one of the dangers was everyone trying to one-up one another, mm. suffer more. Mm. And again, that mindset is totally twisted. It's not about mm. suffering more. It's about wanting God more. Mm-hmm. It's about saying, I'm that messed up that I need a worse fast. So so maybe the way to switch it up, if you do a more hardcore, radical fast than someone else, let that just be a sign of how much more needy of God that you are, mm. how much more messed up you are. So if someone's like, dude, did you hear Ross did a 40-day water fast, only drinking water for 40 days? Man, that guy's messed up, right? <laughs> Rather than like, oh, he's so super spiritual. He must right? really need help. Yeah, he, he must really need help, right? And so so for you not to do some fast, you're just saying, man, I don't, I don't need that much help. 
which you probably don't want to say that either because we all need help. And that's the reality. That's the big joke, right? We're all wrong. Uh, as he says in The Great Divorce, uh, C.S. Lewis, like, that's the great joke that we're all wrong. We're, we're all needy. We're all broken. And so it's not a matter of us measuring seeing who's more spiritual. Sure. That's so dangerous, the pride. So, so a general rule of thumb is don't ask, don't tell regarding how you fast. However, I would say talk with your DNA about how you're going to fast. Ask them for accountability. Ask them for advice and weigh in. And also maybe talk to a few trusted mentors or leaders within the community who can speak into it, especially if you're new to fasting. Yeah, I would say don't ask, don't tell outside of a small group of people. It makes right. sense to communicate this with. Yeah, that's good. That's right. Because Jesus says that if you do this to be seen by others, you lose your reward. That's right. That is your reward. You got to, you get seen by other people. That's right. And, 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 and Jesus isn't saying there that no one can know. It's the motivation behind. And I yeah. know that in the past I've, I've wanted people to know, hey, you know, I'm fasting. That, mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're so spiritual, Sam. I'm like, well, you're right. I am very spiritual. That's, th- thanks for noticing. But if it's on your Facebook feed that you're doing this, yeah. I think you're wrong. Yeah, it's probably not very <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and so um, that, that's one thing to look at, one bad move. Number two is guilt. Doing this out of guilt. Doing this because you feel like you have to. Out of obligation, not out of joy. Out of a sense of, I need God to be pleased with me. Or because you want others to be pleased with you. We will not be pleased with you guys, nor will God be more pleased with you or love you more. There is a sense that God can be pleased with us, even in Christ. There's, there's gradations of pleasing. That, that's mm-hmm. true. I don't, I don't want to say like that, that there's none of that because that does matter. Um, but you're not any more loved or accepted. That's right. And I said that on Sunday, but I'm going to keep saying that because I know some of you are going to really struggle with that, a sense of you know what, I can't do it, and I'm going to feel very guilty because I'm not doing as much as other people. Mm-hmm. We just say, get that, 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 get that out of here. That's right. This is an invitation. This is a blessing. Yeah, that's, that's the difference between our faith and faiths like Islam. Yeah, who, that's right. You know, one of their five pillars is, right. is fasting. They fast for an entire month during the month of Ramadan. And, and why are they doing these five pillars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like Christians out of a, a love and uh, having been forgiven and loved much, mm-hmm. obeying and joy. No, it's, oh, God, please favor me. Please see me. Please love me. Please mm-hmm. forgive me. Please accept me into the That's kingdom. Right. That's right. It's trying to earn God's favor. And mm-hmm. it's just the opposite for, for us. You know, a good title of this podcast, we won't do it, is Don't Fast Like a Muslim. <laughs> like seriously though but like don't fast like a Muslim yeah, we're sure. Christians we're already accepted and because we're accepted we get to do this because we want because this is more connected with intimacy not getting favor you just mm-hmm. want more of him it's not like yeah yeah, yeah. and you want him to come back yeah and why That's would right. you want him to come back if you weren't already accepted by him <laughs> you don't want him to come <laughs> back if you're not accepted stay yeah. away as long as you can right yeah you know this is a sweet I don't know I, this is a side point but this is a cool opportunity if you've never fasted before to identify, you know, really uh, sympathize with. We have so many Muslims in our city that's right. that are fasting in, during the, oh, the month of point. Ramadan. There'll be, I think it's. They're April, not even drinking water. Yeah, during April, the day. April 23rd. But they do eat every night. They gorge at night. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. But no, still, but... They're, they're suffering for an entire month. Yeah. And there's a way for us to bridge the gospel with, go. with Muslims that mm-hmm. we interact with. I shock Muslims when they talk about fasting and I say, oh, I fast all the time too. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've, it, I've had it throws them off. It's like, yeah. what? And while we would encourage you to do the full week with us, if you're just not able to do that, maybe skip one meal a day mm-hmm. or do, 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 do 
some gradation of it rather than all or nothing. Yeah, that's right. If you're in the nothing category, find a way you can fast. Yeah, that, that's a perfectionist mindset that will really kill you. Like, well, if I'm not going to do the full thing, I'm not going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of binge on other stuff. No, like we encourage you. Seriously, like the Holy Spirit will grant grace, you know, and talk to your group. I mean, there's circumstance. We can't speak into every situation specifically, but the Holy Spirit can give grace. He, he gives grace to people to do it for 40 days with just mm-hmm. water. And he's, and to be honest, there's many secular people who do long fasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gandhi fasted. Shall this Hindu who doesn't have the spirit of God outfast us? And I'm not saying we need to compete with him, but I'm just saying, I'm trying to use that as an example about the objections people can have. Yes. Now, let me talk about a couple. Well, okay. One more danger. And then let me talk about objections. <clears throat> Here's one more danger is dieting, losing weight. Some people will fast because of like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to lose weight. If you have any kind of um, background of, um, of eating disorders, you need to be super careful. And I would say mm-hmm. share this with others that you trust who can speak wisely into this, that there's a danger there. Now, regarding objections, we have never lived in a more sedentary lifestyle than, than this age. Now, there are some exceptions Better within define our church. That word. Sedentary being not moving. You know, when you look at Jesus' time when they're fasting more regularly – they're moving everywhere. Their yeah. feet are their transportation. They're not driving. And if you go anywhere else in the world, you see an unbelievable <laughs> amount of people walking all yeah. the time. That's right. Mm. That's right. This is we have a very uh, immobile. immobile. <laughs> there you go. That's an immobile <laughs> yeah. culture. And so you're like, oh, well, I can't fast because you know work and this and and that could be true. I mean, if you're an Olympic athlete, that may be true. But I even know about Muslims who um, who who would train while they're fasting. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying that it's, it's possible, um, even outside the realm of the spirit empowering you. But, um, we, we don't generally have an excuse. Now, if, again, we want to qualify. <clears throat> Apart like, from a medical diagnosis. Yeah. 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 When it comes to like, I or a psychological diagnosis, like eating, eating disorder. Yeah. Right. There, there are a few more that will be covered in the blog. So I just want to not put shame on you. If you're, you're in that category, like that, that's where the season you are and you make the most of what God has given you. The cards that, that God has, has dealt you for this season, you make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I mean, the reality is for most of us, unless we're like professional athletes, um, the, the amount of physical exertion, um, is is reasonable within a fasting season, mm-hmm. especially yeah. seven days. Seven days is is actually something that people can regularly do just for a cleanse, um, and they're not even doing it for Jesus. So let yeah. me, let's talk about choosing your fast. Um, this is connected to it. I would encourage you to really share with you, your DNA and other select people your your fears, your questions, and kind of wrestle through it and help them weigh in on the fast. Um, also, on the blog, there's going to be tips on how to prepare your body for fasting. You don't just start the fast. You can, but you're going to be miserable. The reality is we, we all have a debt to pay, and that debt is all the toxins that we regularly ingest through our processed foods. And I know I'm sounding very, like, crunchy and green right now, but <laughs> but, but the reality is a lot – I mean, yours included. Like, I, I have fast food at least once a week. Uh, oh shoot! I told I just confessed that <laughs> <laughs> to our millions of viewers. Everyone knows that it's more than once a week, brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. At, did I say at least once a week? Yeah. Okay, at least once a week. That's yeah, you're great. Good, you're there good, you good. go. Yeah. And maybe ten times. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, it's usually like one, maybe twice. Um, that stuff is in your body, and when you fast, your body goes through detoxification process. And the more toxins and junk you have, the more your body will – you'll feel it. You'll get headaches. You'll get um, toxins coming out of your – off your tongue. There's just a film that will come on. Your breath will reek. Um, 
Sometimes your pores will open up in funny ways. There's just different uh, bowel movements can change. What a, what um, a picture of what the Lord will be doing to our hearts. <laughs> there you go. Amen. <laughs> That's a great word. That's uh, okay. <laughs> okay, we can go. There. That's good. Getting getting the junk out. Getting the oh, junk out. Yes, yes. Yeah. What are you doing? Okay. I, yeah. I wasn't quite okay, following. Yeah, okay, you okay, just right, talking yeah. about bowel movements. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> still. But yeah, you're just <laughs> getting the okay, stuff okay. out of your system. <laughs> so with that, yeah. we would encourage because we still have some time. The the, the fast starts on this on on January sixth, so this Sunday. Um, so you have some time. We would encourage you highly to start to um, withhold your like. Don't have sweets. Um, get off caffeine. Your body will, if you drink caffeine, uh, ingest caffeine regularly, your body will go through detoxing and um, headaches. You can start weaning yourself off things like that. Drink a ton of water. Yeah. Um, try to eat very clean, higher on fruits and vegetables. Basically, the way you should eat normally, <laughs> the way I should eat. Um, right. Try to do that as you lead up, and it will just make the fast easier. Mm. Um, there's a little more there on the blog, but um, but let's talk about final thing. We're calling everyone to fast, a special fast, January 6th through the 11th, but then we're also calling um, fasting the rest of the month, okay? And so what, what are different fasts can you do? Can you guys think of different fa- fasts you can do? Biblically, the only fasts are food kind of fasts, um, but but there's other things you could abstain that have um, very powerful benefits also. News media, social media, basically screens and internet. Yeah, yeah. Ross is going to be, yeah. I'm going to lay off to the news media for a month. And that's a big thing for us. Like yeah. uh, uh, Something that would be very important to you may be easy for another person. They're like, I don't even do that anyway. I hate that. Hey, I'm fasting news media too, Ross. Are you really? Yeah, like, well, I, don't, I don't have to try it. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Could be like caffeine, yep. alcohol, alcohol, sweets, yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Games. Uh, games. Yep. Yep. I'm yeah. going to be fasting a game on my phone. It's, it's embarrassing to confess that out loud, but I'm going to do that. Um, uh, I, you know, one thing to consider is if you are afraid of thinking it, it's probably something you should fast. If you're like, don't touch this. If your mind goes there and like, oh, but not that it's probably you should fast it. Mm -hmm. You know, fasting shows what controls you. It exposes what controls you, you know? So Netflix, I I would really encourage everyone to, to be off TV and movie for all of January. It it really will be valuable. I I, I promise you, Mm -hmm. um, something that, uh, some people can do is, is you can fast buying things like the entire month outside of like gas or groceries, like you don't buy anything, nothing mm-hmm. on Amazon, no book, even books, like something good, like a book or electronic or something that you'd want to buy um, or like eating out, none of that and put all that money to missions or giving, giving it others. That's right. You know, um, one thing that's so important is that when you fast, you are abstaining or taking, but then you have to replace, you have to replace, or then you're just suffering. That's right. You're just suffering and you're just being religious. Like, you want to replace it with more of Christ. You want to replace it with more godly community. You want to replace it with sermons, with the scripture memory. Speaking come, of come pray with us. Yeah, come over the lunch hour. That's right. That's right. Remind us. What, what, what are we doing? Yeah, so we will be praying each day over the lunch hour, 11 to 1, yep. in, in right here at, at the City View location where we gather on Sundays. Come join us. I just, even just talking about this, reflect back on a revival that started in this country 150 years ago over a lunchtime prayer meeting. That's right. And yeah, so let's yeah, let's come come pray with us. Exactly. Bring bring your friends, bring yeah. your family, whoever. You like we we're just gonna bring your kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just gonna put on worship music, and you can just kind of pray and read your word, and you know, get in groups too. But it's gonna be kind of informal. It's kind of an open house of prayer, kind of. Mm-hmm. And and we typically don't try to centralize prayer because we want prayer to be saturated throughout wherever you work, play, and live. Mm-hmm. But there there are seasons where we kind of centralize together to really seek the Lord together. Which will um, result in saturation. Yeah, that's, that's right. Both and. Mm-hmm. Um, now, speaking of putting off to put on, 
one of the things that we want to call everyone to, we haven't talked about it too much, and it starts tomorrow. It just hit me while we were recording. It's like, oh, dang, it starts tomorrow. Tomorrow's January 1st, right? Yeah. The Roaring Twenties are upon us. That's right. New decade. <laughs> and what a great opportunity for you to hide God's Word in your heart and mm-hmm. to spend the entire month of January just saturating God's Word. And Romans 8 is arguably one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. And the reason why, They call it the Great Eight for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why is not because it is, is you know, better than others in itself. It's just it has so many different beautiful, glorious themes that are so relevant to our heart that give us um, fuel to fight sin, um, fuel for us to long for God, for to love Him. It just there's so many things in Romans 8 that is really going to give you a whole uh, bunch of tools to fight the fight your flesh in 2020, yeah. to worship God, to love Him. I think all of us have memorized Romans 8 at some point of our life. Mm-hmm. It would be good just to sit in it, mm-hmm. just to meditate on it. So we're going to send out helps regularly to do it together in a good pace. So um, it's it's 37 verses, right? Yeah. And and, and I, I really think it just is 39. the greatest chapter 39. in the Bible. There you go. There's, Ross is going to say it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, it connects our... Christ freeing us from sin to our adoption as right. children yeah. more explicitly, more fully than anywhere else in the Bible. That's right. And, and it lays onto that foundation the greatest promises that everything works for your good. Well, I was just thinking about it. can never be separated from It goes from, from you being called and set apart, so like before time began, uh, to so your justification, your, your uh, uh, adoption, your sanctification, your glorification in Christ. Yeah. It, it go, covers the whole Christian life. It really does. And so I just feel like if our whole community is memorizing and meditating on this passage, we're going to just ha- have it so ready to just encourage one another. Can you just imagine throughout the year? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't forget Romans 8, 12, you know. Uh, yeah. Put the death of death, uh, uh, death of, uh, deeds of the, the body by the Spirit, right? And mm-hmm. just speaking truth to one another and how much we will be able to speak the truth and love to one another. Yeah. It, t- it takes like the most glorious doctrines of the Christian faith and like ties them all together in one right. chapter it's so just yeah. you need, we need this chapter and, and i know a lot of us haven't mem- memorized um the bible or, or large chunks of the bible like this 39 verses is no joke but doing it together as a community is going to be really powerful and beautiful that's so, right so there, there's a blog coming out today also and there's a lot more here but church uh guys this next year the best is yet to come i'm so excited yeah i'm excited about this church and all that god is doing yeah. We're, we're set up for a, a year of fruitfulness if That's we right. seek his face like we have been. That's right. So if if we were a really nifty blog like some of those out there, or, or podcast like some of those out there, I would uh, fade out this this podcast. With, with some song. rock music. With this song by Misty Edwards. Oh. Uh, it's called Lovesick. Mm. <laughs> uh, I am lovesick for my beloved. There's this amazing chorus. Happy am I to live a hungry life. Blessed am I to thirst. Uh, disillusionment. It is my gift within. I am blessed. I am blessed among men. It's just she's just capturing for us this this picture of we we are a happy people if God has made us uh, have a distaste for this world and a taste for the living God. Mm-hmm. If that is you, and you you know, and if you go into this fast saying, "Lord, I want more of you," you are so blessed. Certainly. You are so richly blessed. And this this hunger is what is going to be fully satisfied in the coming of the Lord. So, brothers, Amen. so thankful for the sermons you you taught, and um, man, such a joy to to serve with you guys. So, thanks for listening, and uh, let me just close with a quick prayer. Father, make our hearts 
to be more hungry for you. Mm. You have given us everything uh, we need. You, you have given us your spirit. You have given us your word. And you've given us the body of Christ to to be pointing one another to you. And Lord, you've even given us a world of pictures pointing us to you, to, to desire you more. So we pray for more of you in 2020. We pray for more of your spirit. So God, we invite you to do this. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.